It's the Dogcast, episode 157. Georgia takes on and defeats the Eagles of Georgia Southern University on a very hot Athens Saturday afternoon. Dog fans, it's the Dogcast, episode number 157. We're here, we're back now, safely in the bunker. It's much, much cooler in the bunker. Oh, yeah. I mean, man, it was smoking. (laughs) It was smoking yesterday. It was. I tell you what, that is, that's about as close to hell as you can get on earth. Sitting in that stadium as hot as it is. I mean, (laughs) not that sitting in Sanford Stadium is anywhere close to being in hell. I'm just referring to the heat. Sitting there with a 38 to nothing lead and uh, it's 96 degrees and 96% humidity. Knowing that you're going to stay for the whole game because that's what Bulldogs do. (laughs) Exactly. So, dog fans, we had a big win yesterday. Had a big win over Georgia Southern. Lots of stats, lots of things to update you on. One big injury, as I'm sure most of you already know, but you want to save the injury? No, let's talk about it now. Let's get the bad stuff. That's what everybody wants to know about. Get the bad stuff out of the way. Jeff Owens, out for the season. That's all there is to it. Man, you hate that. interior defensive lineman. A lot of young guys are going to have to step up because Cade Weston is out for at least one more game. Hopefully he's going to be back for South Carolina. I'm sure he will be. You know, those were the two guys. That was our our experienced leadership. Plus Geno Atkins. They are on the line. Uh, You know, we were looking. That was going to be a real strength. Sure. And here in these first two games, uh, you know, we've got guys I'd never heard of. The good news is, the good news is, dog fans, we do have a ton of depth. We have even more depth on the defensive side of the trenches than we do on the offensive side, but it is untested and without leadership and without senior experience. The bottom line is, you know, as bad as the Trenton Sturdivant injury was on the offensive side of the ball, the Jeff Owens injury is the same deal on the defensive side of the ball. So now, if you're keeping track at home, we have one huge injury on offense and one huge injury on defense. Yeah, and I mean season ending. Right. You know, I mean, there are a lot of these things, and of course, as we go through the season, you know, we're going to get folks banged up that aren't going to be full speed or they're going to be out for a game, you know, along those lines. But when you lose that kind of talent, that you were counting on for the entire season. It's hard to make up. And, again, just like last year, this team is going to be a work in progress coming through. I mean, for those of you that thought you were going to see the same team and the same type play that we did in New Orleans against Hawaii, you know, you're not. We're not going to see that yet because we're we're restarting with a bunch of new players at a bunch of new places. Yeah. Speaking of which, we had nine freshmen – Nine freshmen contribute on the field yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, we had a checklist, dog fans, from the pregame show. We told you last week things we want to see happen, things we want to get done. My number one thing I wanted to see, kicking game. Blair Walsh, kicking game, check. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was good to see that when he was let to do it, yeah. He could actually put one into the end zone. He can put one t- eight yards deep in the end and, zone. And, I mean, I still, I know Coach Fab has 
his thoughts on this, and apparently the rest of the staff buys into it. But this directional kicking and kicking short and all this other crap, I just, if you can put it in the end zone, put it in the end zone. As our emailers have pointed out to us, it comes out to the 20. Yes, exactly. It comes out and to we, the 20. And we, not only do we appreciate that, we appreciate the reference to the rule, but it really was unnecessary. If you tell us, we believe you. Yeah, but, but see, I see you're trying to sugarcoat this for saying because I believe. All right, I was wrong. Yeah, that's I was what we wrong. wanted right there, isn't it? <laughs> Dog fans know, by God, I said the 20, and old dog, no, 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 it's the 25. And I, I said, okay, old dog, you're, you're twice as old as me. I'm going to defer. And, uh, you know, because I'm a nice guy. But thanks for backing me up out there, emailers. I knew it was a 20. You guys knew it was a 20. We just had to bring old dog into the fold. But you're right. If you kick it out of the back of the end zone, the worst thing that can happen is going to be, it's going to get to the 20 every single time. And how long do I have to wear the t-shirt that says Derek was right, old dog was wrong? Is that a year, <laughs> Only, or, no. a, a week or to the next game? No, through the next game. Okay. Through the next game. <laughs> and then uh, you get to take that shirt back off. I mean, at least for another couple of weeks. <laughs> um, so we had, uh, you know, K- uh, Blair Walsh, 52 yard field goal. Yeah. Had one end zone kick, seven, eight yards. And we already have half as many touchbacks this year as we had all of last season. Yeah. One touchback, a couple of short kicks. The big thing, though, was his first kick, first total leather in a football game, 52 yards. Right through the uprights. I know it's not as pressure-filled as, say, trying to get it done with three seconds to go at Baton Rouge, but still, pretty big deal for the kid to put a 52-yard It sure was good to see. And, you know, the whole process, the snap, everything. Mm -hmm. Because, as you know, we've had a little long. Trouble at long, not trouble at long snapper, but but we've had some long snappers, <laughs> long snappers go, go down due to, to, to poor judgment. Exactly. So Blair Walsh is a check mark. How about AJ Green? AJ Green, huge check mark. Uh, coming up big type of receiver that uh, we need. Uh, On his very first snap, his yeah. very first play, he hauls in a 38 yarder, takes it to the one yard line. Yeah, I mean it was just it was good to see him out there. Fitting right in. Hot uh, That was a real, real plus. He is a long, tall drink of water. Yeah, isn't he? He, he is. He is a bad, bad man. And then he does his patented, which I hope is going to become his patented move, the four-yard shove off the cornerback, rotate, catch it in the corner of the end zone. Yeah. I really think we could do that a lot. If we can get a one-on-one matchup with A.J. Green in the corner of any end zone in any stadium in America, I like that matchup one-on-one with yeah. any defensive back out there. Oh, no doubt about it. And that should really help us a lot uh, when crunch time comes later on this season when we're down in the red zone. Yep. To have a big physical receiver that we've been missing to be able to go up and uh, and get the ball like that. Absolutely. And, you, uh, you know, not a lot of people didn't talk about Cordy Glenn, but Jay Cordy Glenn down there on O-line, man, a true freshman. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, the best kind of offensive lineman is the guy you don't call his name that much. Exactly. And, you know, again, we started five guys. Every one of them was in a brand-new position, and three of them had never started a game before. Did they do perfect? No. But they did enough to get – they did a good job. They got us off the block. And they – and. It's going to be a situation like it was last season. Every week, these guys are going to get better because they're going to get, A, used to playing together more and more as a unit as they get more game time, more practice time, and they're all going to become accustomed to their position. And 
work as a unit, not just as five individual guys. That's so, right. And, you know, again, we've got the best offensive line coach, probably the best assistant coach out there in the country, mm-hmm. coaching these boys up. So and he's going to get them ready. The O-line is going to do nothing but get better. Well, let's um, some more freshmen. I really want to talk because, you know, Yesterday we got to see a pretty good bit of Richard Samuel and a pretty good bit of Caleb King also. Yeah, and uh, I mean, just digressing a tad, I was a little surprised that I think it was the fourth series, bam, we see Joe Cox and Richard Samuels. I think it was actually the third series. Could have been. Richard Samuel and Joe Cox in the backfield. You know, Samuel taking carries ahead of Caleb King, who we last heard had kind of cemented himself as the 2A back. Yeah. Um. You know, and then, um, you know, in all fairness, because I've been a big fan of Richard Samuel, I've been knocking Caleb King a little bit. Samuel mishandles a handoff, uh, caused a fumble early in the game. Uh, and Caleb King, 95 yards, man, 95 yards rushing, showed some really good uh, moves, you know? Yeah. What do you think about Caleb well, King? Well, I think, you know, two things. One is no Sean. What, eight carries, I'm, three yeah. touchdowns? See, I was trying to save that. Man, you got to love that. But, and, I'm and, saving and, the marquee and, stuff And we to the really end. didn't need to use him that much, which we didn't. I was glad to see King out there getting the carries he did, and I think he definitely established himself as the number two guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Richard Samuel, not to take anything away from Richard Samuel, he had, a, he had an effective day. I mean, you know, no, he was pretty but, good. But King just had, when, when he had the ball and he hit that line, he just had some good instinctual moves. Very The shifty. kind of stuff you can't teach, that you don't coach. I mean, just he, it just came to him. He knew what to do. Sure. And got extra yards and. Very, very shifty. Yeah. Lots of he twists is. and turns, lots of cuts. I didn't think, he didn't appear to be moving as fast as No Sean Moreno moves. No, and, and not as physical as No Sean either. Yeah, but he definitely, I mean, he surprised me with his moves, you know? Yeah. And I mean, hell, as long as he's getting the yards, I don't care how you know how fast he gets them. That's right. Um, <clears throat> Caleb King definitely, I think, cemented himself as the number two guy, but the number one guy, No. Sean Moreno, touched the ball eight times. Yeah. Scored three touchdowns. Scored one touchdown while outrunning the Georgia Southern defense and holding his hamstring yeah. in pain. You know, even injured, I can run faster than you, damn guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Sean Moreno is a man. He is. He is a man. I'm telling you, if you didn't see the game, No. Sean Moreno takes a handoff, bounces up through the three hole, takes it outside around the dang wheel linebacker, and goes down the left hand sideline while holding his hamstring for about half the steps. It was incredible. How bad is that hamstring? It's not bad at all because he walked off the field, then he walked into the locker room, then he came back out and started doing high steps on the side and doing his little dance and doing push ups and stuff. The hamstring, I believe, is fine. He could have played much more yesterday. Yeah, but really no, no need, and, and that's nice, especially in that heat. We also had some guys that had some cramping. A lot of heat-related cramps. Problems, yeah. No lasting injuries, though. We really only had the one major injury yeah. to, uh, you know, Ellerby went down, had a little cramp. We had lots of guys that had cramps. That's no big deal. Yeah. That's no, an August gonna, football game thing. Yeah, we're just going to have to get more fluid, and that's going to be something we're probably going to see for the next three or four weeks. Sure. next week, unless – it's cloudy day or we got some rain is probably going to be hotter because it's a later kickoff and i tell you what there is no place hotter than this world 
than Columbia, South Carolina in that state. Oh, my God. And that is going to be tough. And I'll tell you something else, too. Another August football problem that I really didn't like to see yesterday, we had 11 penalties for oh, 70 yards. Man, we had, we had, what, two or three offside penalties on the same drive that Hell. gave them first downs. And we had a guy we that had- actually jumped offsides <laughs> Three times, and they finally got him on the last one. Three times on the same play. He was in the backfield, got back, jumped off again, got back, and then jumped again. Three offensive. He One guy got offsides three times on the same play. And then he jumped right to the sideline. Yeah, because you saw Wilmart over there. Willie Martinez laying in to Coach Fab. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw this, and I was kind of happy about it, because Willie Martinez is bringing a little passion on the sideline over there. Oh, and he He was was freaking out. He was real interested in what was going on in everybody's head. (laughs) Yeah, he was like, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I was going to say something different. Willie Martinez was really interested in what was going on in those defensive linemen's heads and what Coach Fab had been teaching them about watching the ball. Especially that one young man. I mean, really, you don't, you're coached as a defensive lineman. You don't, you're not listening to the snap count because a good quarterback is going to beat you down with an, with a, you know, with the count, with a hard count. You got to watch the ball and the ball moves. You go. You don't go to the ball moves. That's all there is to it. And um, Coach Fab was <laughs> really excited about yeah. that, wasn't he? Yeah. Hey. Uh, Eleven penalties. We had some that that sustained drives, and uh-huh. and that's really unfortunate, you know. And what? you know, against the Georgia Southern, that's not going to kill you. But that's one thing that we really do need to work on. And again, like Derek said, that is August stuff. Uh, we go through it every year. But we do need to get our head in the game a little bit better, uh, you know, come the 13th mm-hmm. and on, because we don't have any more patsies after Central Michigan. That's right. That's absolutely right. we got teams that are going to be coming for us. Yeah. And if you, I mean, you know, you look, when you have a high ranking, you look at what happened to Clemson last night, man. I mean, when you're the higher ranked team playing a lower ranked team, the lower ranked team is going to come out of the tunnel hot. And if you don't come out of the tunnel hot, you're going to get punched in the mouth. Yeah. So, um, we did have 535 total yards of offense. We only kept the ball for 26 minutes. Well, nearly 27 minutes. You know, Stafford had a career passing day. Yeah. Capped off by that huge pass to Chris Durham. Man, Chris Durham outrunning people. Big, tall, white kid, lanky white kid outrunning these little defensive backs. Who would have ever thought that? Oh, I'm telling you. I mean, we've always known Durham's had great hands, but the speed. I'm telling you. I'm looking for Michael Moore, D'Amico Goodman, Israel Troop. Those are our speed merchants. Yeah. Not Chris Durham. He's like the dorkiest guy on our team. Uh But he got it done yesterday. He sure did. 60-plus yards, man. Raked it in and took it to the Big day for him. Proud of Calhoun, Georgia. Put it in the box, That's baby. it. From Calhoun, Georgia. Stafford had 275 yards passing. Career day yesterday. Yeah. I was happy to see that. And man. let's just hope, you know, that's the start of things, you know, for him this year. We had so Two. many receivers catching the ball. D'Amico Goodman had a touchdown catch. A.J. Green had a touchdown catch. Chris Durham had a touchdown catch. Spread it around. Spread we it had, around. We must have had 20 different tight ends catch the ball. Momass had some great catches. Sure did. And had some great, you know, almost. Showed some real toughness, too. Yeah, he really did, man. I mean, Momass really came to play yesterday. We had seniors catching the ball, freshmen catching the ball, white kids running down the field. It was crazy. It just with speed. It was <laughs> unbelievable. It was crazy. Cats hugging on dogs and yeah. all kinds of stuff. And speaking of dogs, 
How about Uga Seven? I know you're excited about this new dog's name, aren't you? Do you know the new dog's name? Yeah, it has something to do with that idiot Lauren Smith. Lauren's best. Uga Seven. And we need to launch an investigation. That's a pretty dog. I'm starting a rumor right now. There is, because Uga Six had what he, I mean, it was what he got, Lauren. There's something not right going on between Sonny Siler and Lauren Smith. Do you think there's some kind of if you're naming, room dealings? If you're naming every mascot has to have Lauren's name in it, something is going is going on. <laughs> I'm telling you, but it is a pretty dog. Uga Seven is a nice dog. I I know you're a big fan of Uga Seven. I mean, you have to be a big. Fan I'm of a big. Dog. I'm a big fan of any Uga. I tell you, Uga Seven, pretty dog, got a new dog house this year, got a fresh bag of ice yesterday, yeah. slept the second half mostly. Well, as, as a lot of people did. Like a did. lot of people did, exactly. Um, you know, and really, that's about it from the game yesterday, guys. It was a big game. Yeah. We had them 38 to nothing. We played everybody on the bench. There's really not a whole lot to report. And it, it was good. And, I mean, the best you can say for something like that, it, and we need these kind of games, especially – with as much youth as we've got on the team, even the guys that played last year, uh, it was like a, a scrimmage mm-hmm. against another team. Sure. But this way you can really see what what needs work, uh, what doesn't, and mm-hmm. and we pointed a lot of that out. I mean, it's going to get better. But, again, you know, like we talked about a little bit earlier, and I, I fall into this too, you know, I want the team, I want the team that, that beat Auburn, Beat Tech, just beat the living lips off of the hookah dancing <laughs> Hawaii Warriors. Hugga, hugga, we hugga, thought, hugga. you know, if you were expecting that team to run out on the field and play to that level, right? You know, we're not going to see that for a while. That team, it's, that team, but you and everybody wants that. But that was a 10, 11, 12 game battle tested unit right. that had worked together week in and week out. And we have so many new guys. And really, if you change, you change as much as we've changed. As much as it is a lot the same, it's enough different that it's just not that team. Yeah, and the best, one of the best things that happened in this game was the fact that we were able to play so many people. I mean, sitting in the stands looking, half the time you Holy you had to crap. look at, at the guy's jersey <laughs> and go, who is that guy? I know. Man, I've never heard of him before. I know. There's still guys out there i never heard and of. And the nice thing was, though, you were doing it because they had made a play not because they had gotten beat or burned or something along those lines. Exactly. And speaking of getting burned, I do want to speak a little bit to the 21 points that Georgia Southern put up. You know, um, if you didn't see the game or if you're a little concerned about the yards, you know, Georgia Southern had a total of 290 yards offense yesterday. They did score what I would consider to be two, you know, pretty legitimate touchdowns. Yeah. Some of those were drives were sustained by penalties on our part. Um you know, so they did score 14 points, and then they did score that one last touchdown that was just a, a fluky ass yeah. pass late in the fourth quarter. Kid throws up a duck, and we got Georgia DBs running into each other and stuff. It was just a crazy, lucky, crappy play. But um, so we did give up 21 points overall. I felt like 14 of those were earned. And um, I mean, you know, that just happens when you're playing a lot of different people. It does. And you're playing in August with a lot of daggum penalties. But um, don't get upset about those uh, 21 points, guys. No. Now, and, and we've got a tremendous upside. I mean, we are going to do nothing but go up. And I do. I want to throw this out because we've got two weeks before this happens. And I don't want our listeners to go ape 
don't be taking overdoses. <laughs> don't slit your wrists. Okay. This is what's going to happen, folks. I have no idea where you're going right now. <laughs> University of Southern California oh, is yeah. playing Ohio State. Yes. The win- And we have played nobody. Yes. The winner of that game, folks, is going to be number one. And we are going to lose our number one ranking. You need to be ready for that. We've already covered this, but I think we need to talk about it every week. Yeah. What happens. Kind of like this Hurricane Gustav thing. Right. You We're going to keep bringing it. You don't need to so panic. You, guys get to don't you don't need to panic. It's just the third week of the season. And once we go through our schedule and win, we'll be back where we need to be. But each of those teams has a lot of first place votes, and whoever loses is going to get those first those first place votes are going to go to the team that wins. And the bottom line is, you know, it's just like anything else. They're already setting it up. You heard guys yesterday, well, Ohio State beat Youngstown State really bad, and Georgia didn't beat Georgia Southern so bad. 45-21 is not as pretty as 40, 53 to nothing. You know, maybe Ohio State ought to be number one right now. They're, I mean, they're going to start talking that. You need to prepare yourself for that. Don't take it personally, because the bottom line is, just like Old Dog said, if we take care of business, they cannot deny us. That's right. And, and if we don't take care of business, it ain't going to damn matter anyway. That's right. And as we know, we we as Georgia fans are an island unto ourselves. Everybody hates us because everybody wants to be us. Exactly. That's the bottom line. They think we're arrogant. We think we're good. And that's, that's right. All, that's all there is to and, it. And we're going to prove we're both. Well, now, to wrap up this show, old dog. We're going to go around because it's the first week of college football, and I know folks started on Thursday night watching big Thursday night games. <laughs> big Thursday uh, night. Uh, you know, my son's middle school played Thursday going, night. Going on through and just kind of, you know, what did we learn? And the first, and we're going to relate this to some teams that we're going to play. First thing we learned is that the OBC up there in South Carolina, the old ball coach, stills got it. I mean, what a great evaluator of talent he is. I Especially think it, quarterbacks, yeah, which is his I, specialty. Oh, yeah. I think at the end of last year, if you would ask any South Carolina fan who's going to be our starting quarterback, they would have said, well, this Chris Smelly kid, but not the OBC. Man, he picks out Tommy Beecher, an unknown, and boy, did that kid perform. He shined. He was, what, four for four to the other team? Exactly. He had four completions to the other team. I mean, the wisdom uh. that the OBC has standing right next to the YBC <laughs> calling those OBPs. I mean, it was orgasmic for ESPN. <laughs> The old ball coach. The old ball coach. The young ball coach calling the old ball plays. <laughs> OBC, YBC, calling OBPs. Man, <laughs> it was just wonderful. It was great. And then, you know, even if he pulled his sneak attack with Beecher, then he rolls out the smelly in the second half yeah. and rolls to a wind. And Gamecocks and rejoice. They do. Everything's they, fine in Columbia. They are so happy because... We've got a quarterback. Oh yeah. Even even though he wasn't worth a shit at the start of the game, he is now the savior and he and he is gonna take the Gamecocks to the promised land. He definitely wasn't the best we had at the beginning of the game, but now he's the man. Yeah. Oh, I tell you what, that old ball coach, he is so crafty. Couple other things, and again, you know I hate ESPN and love to pick on him. And my favorite in ESPN is that senile old fart Lou Holtz. <laughs> Just when you thought 
that the network and the man could not embarrass himself anymore after the Lou Holtz pep talk. They come up with Ask Dr. Lou. I'm telling you. Not only can the man not remember names, (laughs) mispronounce things, the University of Navy. The University of Navy. I mean, just unbelievable stuff. He, they come up with this segment that is just horrible. The only thing I can think of is they have such a long-term contract with him, they realize how horrible he is. <laughs> there is like three people at ESPN dedicated to coming up saying, look, how low will this man sink? How can we embarrass him so bad that he'll finally just say, I quit, I'm out of here, I can't take this anymore? And I... Derek, I don't think that exists. They have not hit that depth yet, have they? Because I, Coach Holtz is real is standing in there like a champ. He is. I'm telling you, during the I, I hope all the dog fans saw this Ask Doctor Lou uh, segment. Oh, because I'm telling you, while the fake phone call message is happening, the look on Lou and who face, and who was the first call from Tim Tebow, who we heard yesterday, in addition to beating Hawaii. Saved two lives and delivered one child in the stands. Is that true? Is it one child or two? It was. It was. He delivered one child and circumcised another. And in CPR on two other heart st- and stroke victims. Right. right? Okay. So uh, Tebow was working hard yesterday. Called Doctor Lou and never had to call a timeout for the uh, play clock. <laughs> He did it within the 40-second window. Within the window. 40 seconds, Even yeah. Even with the quick spot. Which we were worried about with this new time that he wouldn't be able to save lives, The quick spot too. is no problem for Tim Tebow. But I'm telling you, the, the look on Lou Holtz's face while the message is playing, he looks like some 90-year-old guy who just sucked down a can of ether. I'm yeah. telling you. He's just like in dreamy land right there with that dumb smile on his face. Yeah. It's awful. Speaking of dreamy smiles and <laughs> sucking down a can of ether... <laughs> Let's talk about Clemson's coach, Tommy Bowden. <laughs> I mean, that oh guy that guy doesn't have a clue. It's an SEC world, and he's just living it, it is. baby. And, I mean, I think the game last night proved two things. That as much as we might dislike Nick Satan, he is a good coach, and Alabama is a whole lot better than a lot of people thought. Yeah. On the reverse, Clemson, Clemson is typical ACC team. It's still the and, same old team and we always this, knew they and, were. And none of this is Tommy's fault, who pretty much said so in two interviews during the game. Not my fault. It's not my fault. My players aren't making plays. It's the players. Yeah. And now I'm going to get back to ESPN. <laughs> Damn, old dog. You're on want, the soapbox, baby. I want two things to happen there. I want Lee Corso and Mark May <laughs> to be held accountable the week after for their horrible picks. Mark May gets up there, and you would act like every week he has picked every winner the week before. I don't think he picked, and they act like he's some expert. Well, Mark, what do you think? I know. Mark, what do you think? I want to Lee start Corso. off. Put on the head, I want, Corso. I want them to start off the segment. Well, Mark, last week you picked seven, and only one of them was right. <laughs> what do you have to say for yourself? And are you going to do any better this week? But they won't. Each week. They're going to act he gets like, a fresh start. like he's it's got a fresh start, he was perfect, and his thoughts are something. Lee Corso, let's go to this. Derek, you and I have talked about this before on the air, and I think your dad was even involved with this. Back a long time ago, there was a guy that had a great radio show called Leonard's Losers. Leonard Postosti. And what Leonard did, instead of picking the winner of every game, he picked the loser. He picked the loser. He'd which, say, which is pretty much... 
what Lee Corso does every week when he puts on the mascot's head of the team <laughs> he thinks is going to win. So you're saying what you want Lee Corso to do then every week is say something like, well, the Athens Red Clayhounds take on the Chickens of the PD this week. Leonard's loser, Chickens by seven. Right, because we we want we we want Lee Corso strapping on a cock's head come exactly. the thirteenth. <laughs> exactly, because if Lee Corso puts on your mascot's That's head, right. you might as well pack your crap and get on the bus. That's right, because we already know he's got one in his mouth. Oh man. Oh, you! Oh, this is going downhill, man. Old dog. Okay, are you Percy? Get me out of here, <laughs> Percy. Get me out of here. I tell you what, you know, condolences to Leonard Postosti and Percy Peabody. We hope you guys remembered Leonard and uh, Percy from the good old days of Leonard's Losers. Dog fans, that's going to take us out of here. We'll see you with the pregame show. We got Central Michigan coming up at three thirty next Saturday. Uh, we'll have the pregame show coming out for you Wednesday night. And, um, you know, it's a big game. Central Michigan, Dan LaFerver coming in, Heisman candidate. Cullen Harper used to be a Heisman candidate, didn't he? Yeah, sure was. <laughs> boy, they're falling like flies already. It's an SEC What was that world. boy from Hawaii that used to be a uh, Heisman candidate? I can't remember his name. <laughs> Cole, Cole Brennan. Yeah, Cole, Cole Brennan. Brennan. The yeah. gunslinger. The gunslinger. The haka dancing gunslinger. Yeah. Yeah, they're falling like flies, and Matthew Stafford just keeps on damn beating people. And Sean just keeps scoring. And Sean just keeps punishing defensive that's backs. That's right. Dog fans, that's going to do it for us. Give us an email at dogcast at gmail.com, or you can call us at 706-534-1516. Dog fans, we'll see you next week. Central Michigan coming in. Talk to you on Wednesday. Go dogs. By the way, guys, I want you to know that uh, we're not going to have any phone calls this week because... I am uh, having a little technical difficulties with our internet, so I'm actually going to put the show up without the audio comments, but I do have them, and we'll put them at the back of the Central Michigan pregame show. And don't forget, we didn't mention it, but Dogapalooza is September 19th at Bison Witches. There's a link. It's at bisonwitches.com, and there's a link in the website show notes, and uh, that's 7 o'clock Tempe time on September 19th. Thanks for listening. Go dogs.